Finally, spring is here. But what about those allergies? Welcome to SBH Bronx Health Talk, produced by SBH Health System and broadcast from the beautiful studios at St. Barnabas Hospital in the Bronx. Hello, I'm Stephen Clark. Runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, sneezing, congestion. Spring allergies are here and won't be going away anytime soon. With us here today to discuss the upcoming allergy season is Dr. Allison Smith, an allergist at SBH Health System. Welcome, Dr. Smith. Thank you for having me. I recently read that New York City is number 21 in a listing of the 100 most challenging places to live with spring allergies. That's not good news, right? No, not at all. What makes a city number one or number 100? Yeah, you know, I think it's... um, Um, There's always a misconception that urban areas uh, would probably have better pollen seasons than the countryside. But, you know, our patients really tend to suffer just as much, if not more. And the thought is probably due to air quality, the pollution, um, and actually the pollution causes uh, stronger pollen particles. So the allergy season has already started, right? Yes, it has. It seems early, but uh, we had some high pollen counts the other day. Is this likely to be a bad season? It's hard to tell. Usually if we have a nice mild winter, which we had, and I appreciate it, uh, that does tend to lead to an earlier pollen season and probably higher pollen levels. Are there certain people that allergies tend to hit hardest? Well, any patient that tends to have uh, more allergies, eczema, asthma, those patients are really going to suffer more when we have high pollen levels. So what do you do? You stand up and you take it or you do something about it? <laughs> you live in a bubble. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, there's some things you can do at home and when you go outside, you know, little things like closing the windows, uh, the pollen counts are highest in the morning. So if you don't want to wake up with sneezing and itchy eyes, then just keep the windows closed. You try to limit your time outside. Um, not always possible, but you try as much as you can, uh, especially during those, you know, beautiful dry days with, you know, with lots of wind where there's going to be really high pollen counts. And then when you go home, you try to shower, change your clothes to try to get all that pollen off of you. Well, those are lifestyle changes. What about medicine? What about shots? That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of medications uh, to help uh, with all of the symptoms of allergies. So uh, things like Antihistamine. So you want to choose a long-acting, non-sedating antihistamine like a Zyrtec or an Allegra. And those are all over-the-counter. For allergies of the nose or allergic rhinitis, you want to stick with some uh, nasal steroids, so a nose spray. Again, there's over-the-counter medications. And for really itchy eyes, uh, there's over-the-counter eye drops as well. And there's also prescription-strength medications. Is there a downside to taking medication? You know, some of the medications can have some side effects, typically, you know, dryness or sedation, but generally they're really well tolerated. Are there, um, I've heard that certain people go through much of their life without allergies and all of a sudden they reach a certain stage when they find themselves hacking away or Mm -hmm. sneezing. Can it be sort of an, a late onset for people? Yeah, especially with um, conditions like allergic rhinitis or allergies of the nose. It does usually present a little later in life as opposed to some of the other allergic conditions like eczema and asthma where um, you know more children tend to suffer with it. Um, and so really at any point you can develop allergy symptoms. And that's a question I get a lot in my office where patients will be eating 
things like shellfish their entire life and all of a sudden develop a shrimp allergy. So yes, you can develop allergies at any time. Are allergies, are they genetic? Are they passed on from parent to child typically? In the majority of cases, it is going to be genetic. But, uh, you know, I do have those patients where there's no family history of any allergic conditions and they all of a sudden develop terrible seasonal allergies. And the thought is some of it is environmental. I've always had this question. How do you know for sure you have an allergy or you have a cold? Okay, that's a good question. You know, uh, as a doctor, I like to look up people's noses, and then I can usually tell if it's really red inside, and especially if there's, you know, yellow, green mucus, it's a little easier. But a lot of the symptoms are the same, where you have congestion, runny nose, you can have sneezing and itching with both a cold and allergies. It's usually how long it's lasting. Um, you know, these people who have, you know, runny nose all the time, no matter what, it's, it's usually allergies versus if it's about a week and then it goes away, it's probably more of a cold. But I have to say it's very difficult to tell the difference. Is there, a, again, if you're active, if you want to be outside, if you jog or you go to the park, is there a time of day that you should stay away from because of allergies? Yeah, usually the morning is the, wor- the worst for, from about 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. Um, a great time to go running is after a rain. So if, uh, you, like today, it's raining, tomorrow's probably going to be a low pollen day because of that. So if you can try to plan your exercise based on that. What what percentage of people would you say are affected by allergies? Is there a number? I mean, is uh, I, I mean again, are, are you seeing more people like in spring allergies? More people this time of year than you would say in the fall? Definitely in the spring, I see more patients. Uh, tree allergy is really prevalent around here, and again, it's you know could be due to where we're we're living. Um, you know, there's not a lot of grass or weeds, but we get we have a lot of beautiful trees. And so we do tend to have really high levels of tree pollen. And we have a lot of patients with allergies right now. Now, we said earlier that New York is in 21st place when it comes to the 100 worst, worst cities for spring allergies. Is the Bronx worse because of the pollution we have here? You know, it probably is. It's interesting. They do pollen counts only in Manhattan. So when we get a pollen count for the Bronx, it's actually based on the uh, pollen site in Manhattan. But, um, you know, in general, we have worse allergies and asthma in the Bronx, and it is felt to be due to the pollution. As a doctor, as an allergist, do you recommend that people... Uh, do something about their allergies or just sort of sniff and take it? You know, allergies of the nose and eyes are not going to kill you, but uh, it really affects your quality of life. So I see patients that are completely miserable and can't sleep and go to work. They can't function. They don't want to go out because they're always sniffling or sneezing. So I think if you're having continuous symptoms that you should treat it because it's really going to improve your quality of life. If, If your health has been compromised because you're asthmatic, does this time of year make it worse? You know, it depends. And, and again, that's a reason why I like to do skin testing on patients or blood testing to see what their allergies are. Especially asthma patients, they need to know what their triggers are. So I have some asthma patients that the majority of their allergies are all indoor allergens, you know, such as cockroach and dust mite. So those patients are actually worse in the wintertime and they're fine in the spring. But I do have that subset of patients who are very highly allergic to trees. And so spring can be really dangerous for them when it starts to trigger their asthma. 
You talk about skin testing. What does that involve? So it's just a little uh, device that I press on your skin. Usually in older you know, adults and older children, it would be on the arm. And for smaller kids, it would be on the back. And it's a bunch of... Um, it's a series of skin tests with different allergens. And so if you're allergic to, let's say, cockroach, when I press it on your skin and I leave it there for 15 minutes, your body's going to have a small little reaction, a little hive. And that's how I know you're allergic. You know, another question, a little bit removed from what we're talking about, but I know you also deal with other allergies, uh, whether it's a food allergy or what have you. Are you finding more children have food allergies today than maybe in the past? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, rates of allergies and asthma are increasing everywhere. And, you know, there's a lot of theories behind that, um, but I'm absolutely seeing more more allergies. What, what, what are some of the theories behind it? You know, one is uh, the hygiene hypothesis where we're actually too clean. So our bodies are made to fight bacteria and parasites, and we don't really need to do that so much here um, anymore. And so um, the body doesn't know what to do. So the immune system actually, instead of, you know, fighting those infections, decides to go a little haywire and and start developing allergies. Um, There's also some links to the gut biome. So, you know, we all have natural bacteria in our intestines, and um, they're finding that in some patients those are abnormal or out of whack. And again, it's probably linked to diet or um, other things in our environment. And so again, you know, you need a a healthy balance between good bacteria and bad bacteria. Um, So that's another theory. What, What are the most common food allergies that you're seeing now? So in the younger kids, it's always, you know, things like milk, eggs, soy, and wheat. But as they get older, we see more peanuts, tree nuts, and then in the older patients, fish and shellfish. And even though these are, the, these are patients who may have had no uh, allergies or hadn't, uh, didn't find this to uh, bother them at all, and then suddenly later in life, this happens? Exactly. Why is that? So again, we don't. You don't know. We don't know. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I when I started here, we saw a lot of shrimp allergy in our adult patients. You know, even more so than where I trained. Um, and when I started looking into it, uh, we found that we have there's very high rates of cockroach allergy and dust mite allergy in the Bronx. And the protein that you're allergic to in cockroaches and dust mites are the same protein that you're allergic to in shrimp. And so, you know, that's our current thought is why so many people around here develop a shrimp allergy is because of the uh, cockroach and dust mite allergy. You know, again, moving a little bit astray from where we started um, with asthma. Mm -hmm. And I know you've been very involved with treating asthma here at the hospital. Um, with, with, with especially with children, I guess, who have serious cases of asthma. Why don't we talk about that for a little while? Okay. Um, what is biologic therapy? <laughs> so biologic therapy is taking um, their antibodies that are made in a lab, and they fight certain uh, abnormal pathways in your body. So we have a great program here where uh, patients that have allergic asthma um, – they receive a drug called Zolaire, which uh, blocks the allergic antibodies from triggering their asthma. Um, we also have other medications like Nucala, which target um, eosinophils, which can be um, in very high numbers in patients with eosinophilic asthma. So by this is these are for patients that really have failed uh, standard uh, therapies like pumps, the inhalers, the pills, um, and it's you know really been amazing for our patients. Give us an example. What kind of response have some of your patients gotten? Well, so these patients are ones that were in the hospital all the time. I had one patient; he was 
always um, you know, pretty much monthly hospitalized for his asthma, was not able to play sports, missing school, and we started him on a medication called Zolair. And, uh, you know, within a month or two, his asthma symptoms improved significantly. He was never hospitalized again, and um, he's actually doing great today. So this is really life-changing. Definitely life-changing. And it's been life-changing for us as physicians because we really hit our limit with some of these patients. We didn't know what else to give them because we had tried everything. And so it's, it's been great for us. Uh, if, if someone wanted more information either on allergies or on asthma uh, and they wanted to speak to you, is there a number they could call you at? Yes, they could call the hospital. At uh, you know our asthma clinic is seven one eight nine six zero three one zero zero, and so we have pulmonologists, lung doctors. I'm there as well, and we'd be happy to talk to them. Okay, thank you, Dr. Smith, uh, for joining us on SBH Bronx Health Talk. Again, for more information on allergy treatment or other services available at SBH Health System, visit www.sbhny.org. Thank you. Thank you.